let's uh, recap a little bit for the audience where we met each other. Du Bois Business College. <laughs> Correct. Correct. It, that was it, wow. <laughs> that was uh, that was 2014 for me, but you graduated in 2013, right? Uh, no, I graduated at the beginning of 2014. I think we were okay. there for what three months together. Yeah, and I know I came down three, to uh, right. visit twice while you were down there. Yet, right, right. Yeah, I think it was like tw- I graduated in March of 2014 because I started in October 2012. Gotcha. So we had a couple months, not long, but you know it was long enough, I guess, to grow a relationship and a friendship. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, we have a we worked on a film together, Everlasting Freedom, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But what made you? What was your first moment going back to your childhood, or maybe it was even middle school, high school, et cetera, after college or after school? When was the first moment you knew you wanted to make films? Kind of goes back a little bit into my childhood, and then it kind of goes into more of my high school career. Um, looking back, I, I always remember, you know, I never wanted to be in front of the camera. I always wanted to be behind it. It wasn't more of, I just didn't want to be seen in the camera, you know? I didn't feel like I had to look, um, I guess you could say. But I didn't want to play with cameras or not. I just didn't want to be in front of it. And moving into high school, you know, um, I studied at the Indiana County Technology Center, um, which is a VoTech, and I toured it in ninth grade and saw their digital media um, class. And I toured that, and I really kind of enjoyed what they were showing me. They kind of showed me how to create fire and different things like that and showed me their video equipment. And I was like, you know, this is something that I could do. This is something I feel like I can get involved in. You know, so then I ended up touring it a little bit more and they showed me, you know, green screen, they showed me photography, you know, they showed me the editing software. And that's really when I really wanted to get involved more and find out more in depth about the, you know, editing systems and different cameras and everything like that. So I would say the biggest time would be the high school career um, when I finally filled out, you know, found out that filmmaking was something that I wanted to do in my life. Now, was your first reaction, of course, you talked about, like, all the editing software and, like, when you really first got involved and, like, you, you saw a lot of things. But, you know, I know that you've written a lot of things yourself. Was writing always a possibility or was that one of those that came later on? Um, writing was something that I think came later on. You know, I've always had a creative mind, always had stories. I remember in high school, you, you, you know, we write these stories. I actually had, uh, even in fourth grade, I always remember because my parents saved this one story that I had about a teacher. It was a dream I had, and I wrote this story for class about this certain teacher that, you know, ran across the school trying to kill us students. And it was <laughs> something funny that I turned in in class, and I got an A for it. It was just something, you know, creative, different, you know, something that, is an originary so I you know I feel like writing was always there but just really didn't come until later on I would say probably around my college career um, just because it wasn't something I didn't have the time to write a lot of stories in high school um, kind of came up with different ideas but I'd rather have someone else write it on you know write a script or anything for me I can come up with ideas but the complete writing and getting the right words for you know the talent to say and different things I don't think came, really came to me until college is screenwriting the most you've written or do you have you ever like played around with the creative writings you know the poems and everything else uh, screenwriting's probably the furthest I've gone. Um, I'm not really a poem kind of guy. I'm not really a book kind of guy. Um, screenwriting's probably probably the furthest I've gone. Is screenwriting to you 
easy to understand because I know some people like I give people like you know that are used to reading novels and I'll give somebody a, a script and they'll be like what is this you know do you have, have you ever experienced that like is is script format like harder do you think than a novel to follow or do you think it's easier I I know I you know we all have our uh, I I think it's easier but of course that's all that I've really you know I've been in the f field now for about four or five years so I mean I guess you just forget the beginner's mode Right. You know, I think screenwriting is definitely different than a book. Um, I, I can't say it's harder. It kind of depends on who you are. The way I look at screenwriting compared to like a novel, um, in the novel, someone's reading it and it's coming, you know, is envisioning it. Um, with a screenwriting, you're doing is the same, but you're going to have to portray that on screen. You're going to have to, you know, show the audience the feeling and the reaction. Um, in a novel, the person that is reading it is envisioning them that themselves. So, you know, one thing, you know, I could read the same novel that you're reading, Donnie, but I may interpret it different than you. And I always felt like uh, when you look at screenwriting, it's more quicker and to the point compared Correct. to like a novel and there's not I mean there's details in scripts and I know some directors that go full in detail in their scripts but most of the time you're just you know sitting back taking it line by line and actually getting like a whole scene on like three four pages compared to about like 10 15 for a book right and you're you, and like you said you're putting a lot of detail in there and different things you know the reaction of the, the main cast member or someone else's reaction because you have different you know frames that you need to shoot you have different angles different things to portray all these feelings um so i think that's why screenwriting can be a little bit harder than writing a novel but you know they're both they're both in their different types you know it kind of depends on the person reading it it also depends depends on the person writing it mm -hmm. is film school worth going to in your opinion <laughs> Depends on what you mean in film school. Now, I'll, I'll give a little background of what I did, like I said earlier, that I you know, attended the Indiana County Technology Center when I was in high school. Um, I studied there for three years in digital media, all through photography, editing, video software, uh, videography. Now, when I graduated there, I had a plan. I was like, I'm moving to the big city. I'm going to Pittsburgh. I'm going to the Art Institute of Pittsburgh. That's the biggest school, you know, around here to do some videography work. That's where I want to go. I went to the Art Institute of Pittsburgh to tour, and they, you know, it was a full day. Everything they had there was beautiful. Green screen rooms, you know, five, you know, 10 or 12 video editing systems. You know, it was a state of art equipment, and I'm just like, oh, you know, I'm in love. We talked about, you know, obviously you got to talk about the money and how much it's going to cost to come here. And, you know, it's, they said, this is what you're going to be learning your first semester. And I was like, I know this stuff. I learned this while I was in high school. And I was like, you know, I don't know if I need this. I'm not sure if I want to go there. Yeah, it could be great. So then, you know, I started looking at smaller schools and different things like that, and that is when we found out about the movie-making program from uh, John Russo movie-making program at the Du Bois Business College. And, you know, I was like, that's something, you know, it, it, it was an 18-month course. I got an associate's in business degree. I said, let's try it out. You know, that's not long. It was something different. It wasn't like I was learning everything like I did in high school. I kind of got to be more creative with my own work. We created commercials, you know, short films. We did music videos. 
um, different things that I think was a little bit different and kind of your own creativeness. Um, so I think film school is important to filmmakers, but it depends on the path you want to take with it. You know, like I, I took a path younger when I started in high school. You know, I, I think to each its own, you know, people can go on YouTube and start their own videos and learn from there and create videos that way and kind of get ideas. They can pick up a camera from Christmas and start just doing home videos at home and then they can start there. And then if they want to go to an 18 month course, go to it. Or if they feel like they need to go to a four year college, go for it. I do agree that film school is important. I feel like you learn a lot more than you would just, you know, playing around by yourself or playing with a group of friends. I think you find a lot, and I'll be honest, what I think helped me when I went to film school, it was, it helped me a lot with networking. Mm-hmm. And I, you probably agree with that. That's how we met. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. <laughs> you know, you met so many people that were passionate about it, the same as you were. You would go out and make films. You would go out and make short films. You would work together. Then you would get connected with the theater you know, in town and find out cast members and find talent in the area. You would find other people that like to do um, filming as well. You'd find out so many different competitions in the area, different things like that. So film school is very important for that reason, I believe, is the networking that I had while through college See, and even high school. And I, so, and I 100, sorry, cut you off. I 100% agree with what you're saying. But, like, I have so many people that ask me because, they're like, I, I get DMs on Instagram from, like, wannabe filmmakers that are just coming out of high school. And they're like, oh, well, I've seen a few of your productions. How do you do this? Like, did you go to film school? I was like, well, yeah, I did. I went here, but it's no longer available, which is actually one of the saddest moments of my life. Oh, because, yeah. you know what? That was – it was really a nice college. Dubois Business College was really a nice college. It wasn't overwhelming. You no, know what I, mean? I mean sometimes it was a you walk up. Area. Sometimes you walk up, and it had to do a lot with the area, yes. But sometimes you walk on college campuses, and you're just like overwhelmed by the amount of people. I like a small class. Right. A lot of people don't like. A lot of people go to these bigger schools because they want to be in bigger seminars and stuff like that. Not me. Uh, the thing right. that I liked about uh, our film school was it was hands on, and you didn't really need the mathematics of the world necessarily. You didn't need any other classes other than like your curriculum classes. Uh, but what I'm trying to think because I do again getting back to topic I do get a lot of people that ask me to go like, if they should go or not what is a recommendation because I always recommend them yes but you gotta be se- selective and second of all you can learn a lot on YouTube more now than you could in some of these actual like non hands on schools can you kind of agree with that yeah, I, I even mentioned in that other answer that YouTube is there. You know, I I think there was even a student in the, your class that left the business college because he felt like he could learn more from YouTube. Yes, um, it was. Yep. Um, so you can, and there's a lot of stuff in YouTube, but I feel like you're missing out on the networking part, and that is the key. Um, and that's that's what I felt 
you know, really helped me when I was in college was networking um, and helped me grow into, you know, being doing what I have done since college, you know, videography and filmmaking and film competitions and different things like that. Um, I, that's what I give credit to. And that's what I think people are missing out on if they don't, you know, end up going to a film school, um, meeting new people and meeting people that could actually help you grow as a filmmaker. Um, I can't tell you, even in high school, uh, you know, and we can get on later on. I used to work on a TV show, um, Return to Amish, and the reason why I got the gig was a girl I went to high school with, a uh, girl that I went to high school with couldn't be on the show. She couldn't work on the show the one day. She knew I was around the area. She knew I'd, you know, been working in film. She gave them my number, and they called me. I, I worked on the show for three years. You know, so I really encourage people to look at going to film schools. It's worth the money you get. Like you said earlier, it's hands-on. You know, if you go to a you know eighteen-month college, that's a smaller classroom. It helps because the teacher knows your name. You know, you have a relationship with the you know the teacher after school, even. You know, different things like that. You go to a four-year college, you may not have that relationship with them. Um, so it's really hard to say. It's everybody's own opinion. But to me, the networking was the key to helping me in my career with filming. Now I'm going to bring up a title, Everlasting Freedom. For oh, boy. The, <laughs> for the viewers that don't know Everlasting Freedom, can you give us a short bio of what that movie was about? So Everlasting Freedom was a faith-based film about a death row inmate changing his faith before he was executed. So that's pretty much a quick little bio about it. A um, little bit more details was that was a film that me and you wrote together. We had, we had you know what, I still, I still remember when we first came up with the concept. And you know what, it really was a great concept. There are great parts in that movie with a lot of the, uh, with the, I forget the man's name. Oh, the actor's Russell. name. Russell. Russell. Oh, the, <laughs> I, I, I really, character name. <laughs> I, yeah, I really, really loved who you casted in that role and i loved um melanie 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 was her yeah was yeah her name what was sarah was her character name but i i loved the two you casted for that i really thought that made the film i really did oh yeah yeah dan dan bluest uh was the character russell was the death row inmate and I just remember the day he came in to, you know, into the casting call and it was just like kind of out of shock, you know, we were, you know, this was our first feature film and I, I was like, I, I don't know who's going to be casted for. I had a couple people in mind that I knew from the Dubois area and I said, you know, hey, come on out to this, you know, and they came and we talked and it just was like not feeling and then I, you know, I walked out of the room of the casting call. Um, and I saw Dan standing there, and I, I, a guy I never met, and he's all tatted, tattooed up, just looked rough and as could be. And I'm like, "Who are you?" And he, you know, he we, we ended up talking. He's like, "Someone shared it with me on Facebook," and I'm like, "Oh wow!" He showed up. We talked. He was a perfect fit for it. You know, he was a he was a pastor. He, you know, he was someone that had trouble in his life prior that, you know, changed his faith himself and became a pastor and was tattooed from probably toe to head. 
Um, he had tattoos in places I didn't know you could tattoo, you know? <laughs> and he, like you said, he was a perfect fit for it. You know, Melanie, um, ca- you know, was casted for the role of Sarah, which was the security guard that helped Russell change his faith while he was in prison. Now, Sarah, you know, she, you know, Melanie, I mean, she was a person that has done theater, and she was, you know, in the theater business for a while, and that's how I knew her. And you know, I, I think she was the one I mentioned to show up to the casting call, and you know, we had a couple other women show up for the the role, and it was, you know, it's they didn't really have a whole lot of acting, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, yeah. acting experience, and Melanie did, and you know, it was the hardest part that I saw with directing Melanie was it's really hard and I guarantee you a lot of filmmakers have seen this if you've casted any theater you know theater stage to stage um, actors it's hard to get them to act on camera they have you know it's two different things when you're working in theater you have to express yourself a little bit more so the whole audience can hear you and different things like that and it's in, in film it's more like we got to tone it down a little bit you know, different things like that. I always tell my theater actors because uh, Scott Winter, who I've worked with before, he's he was out. Uh, well, he was he's the now pastor of our old church. So congrats to him. And he was a youth pastor when he was actually filming like the three films he filmed with me on Shield of Hope. But um, he was always a theater actor out in Pittsburgh. And so the first film, you can kind of tell it was more in like the dialogue and how he delivered lines, but like the emotion wasn't on their face. So what I always tell my theater actors is, I'm like, listen, you can deliver great dialogue lines from the, from the stage, because remember, nobody's really looking at your face on stage from like that far away. I was right. like, when you're filming in, in movies and TV shows, we're going to work on the facial, because like a lot more, and I, I am a true believer in this, a lot more of how somebody reacts to something on camera will be better than how they deliver lines. That's just honestly my opinion. But You're right. And the fun part with it, you know, which they loved, was you screw up, we oh, yeah. can redo it. Yes. And that was their favorite part. They're like, oh, my God, I screwed up. And it's like, let's re, you know, rerun it. Let's go. They're like, oh, my God, I forgot I can do that. You know, they're so used to stage where they have one shot and one shot only. But this time, you know, we can cut and we can re-roll. So, but those, like, those two were perfect fits. They worked well together, too. And, you know, two strangers, you know, I think they still have a friendship to this day. I don't know. But they, you know, they were, they worked perfectly together. Um, We had a lot of good cast in that film. Um, Some were, you know, thrown in just because we needed extra bodies. Um, But a lot of people were willing to help. But it was a very low-budget film. Um... I can't even tell you the price of it, but it was it was a lot of you know for the for for it being a faith based film, we saw a lot of people volunteering and helping out and wanting to get the word out. Um, so it was something that I'm proud of to be a part of. Um, I you know I think you are as well, and it was something that we got to do together, and we can you know definitely think it was definitely worth it. And I remember um, it was you, me, and Dave Clark in the casting because I was one. I think I was only at one casting casting call and it, I know it was the one with Melanie I think we looked at each other after Melanie audition and we're like we found our we found our character yeah I remember you even saying that you looked right at me and said that um I wish you would have been at the one with Dan because that was just perfect when I walked out of the room and he was standing there you know 
like I said earlier, he, he was standing there and it was just like, who are you? Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming almost. <laughs> also, the, also the, uh, the hour before we went to the casting call, because remember I came, I believe I went to your house first or did I meet you at the, at the, uh, theater? No, I, I don't remember. Either way, but you remember uh, you were telling me an, an hour before when we were headed to the theater, you're like, oh, somebody got shot on this street. A few. Do you remember that? <laughs> I, I kind of do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a great start to our uh, evening. Pe- people always ask me about locations because in Memory of Lies, I've, of course, used a few universities that look like hospitals and I've used it for hospital scenes. How did you end up getting the old rundown prison in Everlasting Freedom? Yeah, so we used, um, in Clearfield County, they have an old, old prison, um, which was owned by, I want to say, a logging company for their offices. Um, And now this prison is known to be haunted. And we talked to the logging company. We had some, you know, we had some people that we that knew the one manager that worked there for the logging company. And we went and talked to them and they agreed to letting us into the prison because the prison was never really being used. It was more just the offices there. And um, so they allowed us to use the prison and it was a very old prison. And it was like, you know, even I think me and you talked about it and even some of our other crew members talked, how are we going to do this in the script? How is it going to look? You know, we're filming something in 2000, you know, 14, 15, how are we going to make it, you know, realistic of a prison, you know? And I, even in the script we talked about, we had, we had Alex Spelser, which was a news anchor, a real live news anchor that worked for WTAJ. And we had him cast where he had a news, you know, a news alert saying, you know, prisons are overran with, you know, inmates. We are transferring some inmates into the old Clearfield County prison. So kind of made it more realistic why we were using an old prison. You know, these, these doors were very, I don't even know, hard to move, hard to shut, um, cobwebs everywhere, bats everywhere. Um, so it was very different to use something like that, but you know, and I go back to the haunted part and it was haunted, you know, different things. I, I was going to ask you if, you if you had any of those experiences in there. As soon as you said haunted, I was like, Oh, I got to ask him. Yeah. We, we felt different vibes, you know, different things, scary things. You know, they had old, uh, they even had an old guard watch tower that we ended up one night. We were like, let's go up. And we, you know, it was just creepy hearing different noises. Um, and some of the, even the stories that some of them, like the people were telling us that work there, um, like she heard a piano playing one time upstairs and they don't have a piano. And I, she's like, I don't know if it was coming from a computer or what, but it was like, yeah, it was creepy. And like reading, like reading some of the things that were carved into the walls in the prison, like into the cells, the things that were carved in there were very vulgar, creepy, you know, different pictures of different things that were just very, it just creeped you out. But, you know, we put that to the side saying this is a perfect place for us to film this. You know, we were able to put that all aside. But it was, you know, you just had that feeling. You know, they had, you know, they even had a solitary basement. They had different things in the basement. And you could just, the one time we were down there, the we had two flashlights. Both flashlights went off at the same time. Literally, don't know if the batteries died. What at the same time we were down in solitary, and the flashlights went off. I would no be freaked joke. out. 
I would. We were we were a little creeped out about that. <laughs> Look, looking back at Everlasting Freedom, what's something you wish you would have did differently? Whether it was through finances, whether it was through, I, you can even say casting, or whether it was through like your own personal as a director, where have you grown since then on different projects? I definitely think. Um, this is a tough question because there was a couple things I'd like to improve. Obviously, financing. I think, you know, this was a film that we did. It ended up being like an hour-long film total. Um, you know, I think me and you did a great job on the script. Um, uh, and I think a lot of it was the financing would have been nice because a lot of times when you get people like working as a volunteer or working for pretty much no pay or little at all, they kind of get run down after so many times and you know after a couple weeks you know they're like you know okay this is none of my time you know i'm taking my time and i'm not getting paid so i feel like finances would have been get you know better we did you know indiegogo we tried to get funding through different things and through different you know corporations and organizations in the area we you know with it being a faith-based film we got a lot of donations from churches in the different areas that you know we visited or talked to um so that helped a lot but i think the finances would have been you know something i would have tried a little bit more maybe you know i think we rushed into it a lot and if we would have taken more time and visited more churches and more you know more supporters and different things like that we could have gotten you know more finances where we could have a paid the cast a little bit more could have gotten a little bit maybe more, better equipment because i think we were just using some gh3s mm-hmm. um maybe a panasonic dvx 200 while we were filming so we were using some you know good cameras but i just feel like you know and some of it could have been a little bit better um better quality better you know i think some of the editing slacked a little bit um that was i think we rushed into the editing trying to get it out on time um so a couple of small things we could have done a little bit better um i think timing was just a thing i think we were trying to get it out as quickly as possible you know you get so excited you write a script you know you film it you edit it you're like you want to get it out as soon as possible i think that was you know we rushed into it a lot i think what i think we wrote a script to me and you in what june or july or may or something and we got it done in a year Mm-hmm. took us a year after filming it and editing it all yeah that sound that sounds about right because it was it was 2015 it was out right and so, i think we started in 2014 right after you graduated yeah. wow i mean that makes me seem old just thinking about that <laughs> i'm older than you <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you 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 look young i i look like a major <laughs> <laughs> but no i mean that was a great and we for the opening premiere we had a very good crowd Oh, yeah, we did. We had a lot of people. We did it at a church. The opening premiere was at one of the churches that helped us. Um, you know, and uh, talking about it, I'm starting to remember a lot of stuff that we did. We did a, we had a, that church helped us because we were able to film there a couple different times for different things. We actually filmed something before at the church before we even started filming for the movie i don't know if you remember this we filmed a round table event um do you remember that at all i remember rumors of it but i don't remember that because i know i wasn't there at that point in time right, so that right. was i'm trying to think was that an actor's round table or was that yeah, that well it was a round table of our actors a lot of the actors were people like our like dan the guy that played russell 
Um, he was someone that had, you know, he, he had his faith changed after a while from having, you know, some trouble in a lot. And a lot of the actors that we had were friends of Dan's and they went through, you know, abuse or, you know, drugs or just different things like that and how they changed their faith. So we had a round table event um, and we actually had a guy that played one of the prison guards. He was actually, um, I want to say he was a psychiatrist and he kind of led that round table talking about their, you know, the people's lives and how, you know, what they went through with different things and how they, how faith changed it. And it kind of gave a good, you know, we actually, you know, we did a, a meet and greet event at the mall and we kind of played that video there and we kind of, you know, I don't know if we really released that online or anything, but when we did the meet and greet, a lot of people came up and watched it. Um, it kind of, you know, kind of brought tears to some people's eyes of some of the stuff that happened to these people. And it kind of was a good lead into what, how Everlasting Freedom was going to help, you know, teach people how faith can, you know, really help people's lives. Oh, and I think it did the great job. It did a great job of it. And I think, uh, I remember when we were pitching to some churches, we're like, well, we, we want to, we know this isn't going to be where we want to be in the end, but we wanted to be like the Kendrick brothers. Right. And we talked about fireproof and we talked about flywheel and facing the giants that were out of the time. And I believe that was the year that, uh, Oh, the, the one with the cop, um, courageous, courageous came out. I do believe I'll have to fact check that real quick, but I believe that was the year courageous came out. So we were kind of pitching it like, oh, it's like a cop, you know, type thing because, you know, we had the same kind of similar qualities other than the fact that death row and, uh, you know, everything else. But. Right. So what movies, because we're, we just talked about the Kendrick Brothers a little bit, what movies, and they don't have to be Christian films necessarily, but what movies inspired you or inspire? Like, is there any currently past, you know, what films are out there that you A, recommend and B, affected your life? Uh, so definitely like you, you were talking, the Kendrick brothers were a big reason why, you know, we wanted to do Everlasting Freedom. Um, they, we wanted to get that started around here. Um, you know, younger, when I was younger, you always think of the big movies around that time. I think Harry Potter was a big one when I was growing up. Um, one that really inspires me now, um, oh, and I'll, I'm only saying this because I actually got to work on the movie uh, Southpaw uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal and Rachel McAdams. It's a boxing movie um, that was shot here in Pittsburgh and in Indiana area um, in Pennsylvania. And I really got to work on it as like a production assistant. I actually got to be an extra in it as well. Um, you can't really see me, but you know, in the arena. But I kind of got to work on it. Got to work with some cool people. Uh, like I said, Jake Gyllenhaal and Rachel McAdams said something that really inspired me only because I got to see, that was the first movie I got to see as a Hollywood, like as a Hollywood set. You know, I got to meet, you know, some big name people, um, which was very cool. And it still inspires me to this day. It makes me, you know, really. And when I talk to people that are filmmakers, you know, I, I, I tell them, hey, you know, I worked on a Hollywood set and they're, you know, they're always like, oh, I would love to work on a Hollywood set. And it's like, you know, if you can get a chance to do it once, do it once, you know, if you're planning on staying around here and working on films here, you could still do it. You know, your film in, you know, Dubois, Pennsylvania or Berwick, Pennsylvania does not need to be a Hollywood set. It needs to have, you know, ambition and creativeness. Um, those are two big things that, you know, are going to create a film. So, so because I completely, I actually completely forgot to add Southpaw to this list when I was, because I would ask you and I'm going to ask you about it right now. Any Jake Gyllenhaal stories? Did you have any actual interaction with him on set? Or they say he's a great. They say he's a great guy. 
is. He, you know, he talked to us a lot, you know, um, and he talked to the fans a lot. He kind of just said, hey, what's up, you know, different things like that. I had a very good interaction with Rachel McAdams. I don't want my wife to hear me, but, you know, she already knows the story. You know, I walked, we were like maybe five or ten feet away. She looked up from her phone. She looked right at me, stared at, you know, each other in the, the eyes for about five seconds, and I felt like it was love at first sight. Um, and then, you know, I had to, I had to get, I got called on Milwaukee for something, and it was, the rest was history, I guess. Um, but, you know, working with some people on the set, it was very fun 50 cent was there um he got to sit in the crowd with a lot of people um it was you know a lot of people had fun with it and george whitaker was someone that was also there he talked to a lot of us you know a lot of people hung out with us even you know as pas and extras out in the lobby um in some of the places they would come out kind of shake your hand you know high five you different things like that so they were very good to work with if i would have made the eye contact too i would have been like yes and you probably would have had to work for the rest of your life either <laughs> no, probably not. Just, yeah. But so, you know, you don't want to go up closer or tackle uh, I, or anything and yes. then you get kicked off set and everything. Uh, but I, I completely <laughs> understand. That's that's why they're getting paid to be there and well, I mean you're paid to be there obviously, but that's why they're right. making the millions. <laughs> exactly. But no, it was fun, you know, it was fun to see different things on a Hollywood set that's different, you know. The things that Jake did to get ready for a, a boxing movie and the things that you know the directors will do and watching um anton fugo he was the director different things he would talk to about you know talking to jake and watching him direct jake or watching him direct rachel or george Whitaker. he you know the way he did it and the way he talked to them um you know was very interesting you know and then watching you know they had second directors and you know assistant directors third directors different things like that that took took care of the extras and those kind of people, you don't, you know, when you're watching a movie, you don't even think about them. But those are the heart of the films, you know, Hollywood films as well, you know, because they have to take care of thousands of extras or they have to do this and this and different things like that. So it was very, very fun. It was something I'll never forget in my life um, that, that I was a part of. Um, and like I said earlier, it was because of, you know, I'm going to go back to networking. That's how I got that job was networking. Um with some people that I saw that they were doing a casting call. Um, I knew a couple people that, you know, were a part of it. I emailed the person that was in charge of like the PAs and different things like that. Found out she knew someone I worked with prior. Um, and that's how I ended up getting the job. And the funny part was when I started working on Southpaw, I saw the girl that got me the job for return to Amish. She worked as a PA as well. So we got to work together and, that's that's when she you know knew I worked in films and different things like that, and that she gave me the job for Return to Amish, and I made connections with a lot of different PAs that worked outside of New York, you know Texas, different things like that. So people would contact me, or I'd be up to date on different things that were going on, and if I wanted to, you know, you know, apply for a PA job or even you know just to be an extra, I knew a lot of people, and I could try. Your high school is putting out a lot of filmmakers, apparently. And and that's what I'm saying. You know, it, well, going back to the schooling, filmmaking schools are great. You know, you can if you can take advantage of you guys. If anybody listening has a Votech or a technical school around them, and you take advantage of that. That's what you want to do is being a filmmaker. Take advantage of what you have in front of you because it helped. You know, I know a lot of the people I went to school with at Tech are you know the Votech. 
you know, like I said, the one girl did a lot of filmmaking. The one was a photographer and she became a great photographer and ran her own photography business. And now she's a teacher back at that, in that digital media program. So she teaches and does have, has a successful photography business. Um, there, there's many people that have went on and done some filming stuff. Um, you know, created their own filming businesses. So if you have a technical school around you, I take advantage of it. Um, you know, that's going back to the school stuff. You know, I think that if you can get early on early education with that, it'll help you in the long run. That way you can get out quicker and get, you know, start working on some stuff. Now, I know you just started a family, so congratulations. Thank you. What is there any new projects in the work from you, or would you like to return to certain, uh, even like a return to Amish or anything like that? Yeah. Well, I know um, we talked a little bit earlier. Um, return to Amish, I worked on it for three years, and unfortunately, they kind of stopped that back in um, the last time I worked on it was uh, August of 2018. So, um, working on some TV shows that they're available is a lot of time consuming in those kind of things, depending on where they're filming. Um, sometimes they film for a week and then they're done for a month. Um, sometimes they film for two weeks and then they're done for two months. It, it, it's very you know not time manageable and it's very hard um to do that kind of stuff i had i was a waiter at that time so i really had the the time to do that i was able to get off work to go do that and i was making more money than i was waiting tables um so it was very work worth it then um so would i love to work on a tv show yes do i have the time it's hard to say depending on the thing i've kept you know i've kept in the loop on different things that are going on in pittsburgh um I know they were, they're looking for, I think they're filming, they were just recently filming some shows um, in Pittsburgh that I saw, probably not now with everything that's going on in the world. Um, you know, I've seen that they filmed like Mindhunters, the Netflix series, the Mindhunters, they filmed that in Pittsburgh. They filmed the movie Concussion with Will Smith. You know, those were things I've kept in the loop on and kind of just kind of got an idea if, if, the, if the time worked out, maybe that's something I could go work on. Um, now you know I, I did work on it you know i started my own videography photography business um was working with some other people with it i did end up stopping that back here in august of 2019 i was working on that for about three years as well um and then i kind of stopped that kind of because i was becoming a family man that a baby a baby boy in november and just kind of wanted to step away from that kind of stuff so right now what i'm doing is freelance videography i'm doing a lot of weddings mainly um i know a lot of people that have you know that knew that i did weddings so they're kind of contacting me here if there if i can do them i'm only doing you know not many maybe four or five a year if i choose to it all depends on the timing for me so i've kind of slowed down a little bit kind of wanted to take time to be a family man and you know i do have another full-time job um i work in sales as a, at a newspaper I'm a full-time uh, advertising executive, so kind of, kind of a lot, lots going on. Just kind of seeing how things go, and you know, I'd love, you know, one thing that we didn't really talk to about much was the 48-hour film projects um, that they do, and I love doing those. So if they continue those, and if people are, in, you know, if the time permits, and that's something I choose to do, maybe in, you know, a year or two or something. Um, I would love to get back into those because. If, if anybody's done a 48 hour film project you know how exhausting they can be but you know how you know how much you can learn from them best memory from a 48 hour film competition 
So, oh, there's many. There is many memories. The 48-hour film projects are fun, and if no one knows what a 48-hour film project is, it's where, you know, you have literally 48 hours to create a four- to seven-minute short film. Um, you write the script and everything. You have to use a line of dialogue, a prop, and a character in your film they give you. You have from Friday night to Sunday night to turn the film in. That's writing, filming, and editing everything. Um something you know i when we were um back uh were you a part of that one or not donnie or was that right after the one that um shano was a part of and we won best film runner up and best cinematography i don't know if you were a part oh, of that one the or one not. you did with Haggerty, i was not yeah you were not okay no that, like um, the, was it heels on wheels or something like that yes heels on wheels okay. no i was not a part of that one i was on the oh uh, we did too i was on the coco cops one and okay. then i came down was it last year or the year before for the I um, think it was a year before with that ufo ending which wasn't supposed to be ufo ending yeah. Uh, yeah. So that that's the thing with 48 hour film projects. You you can come up with great ideas, but sometimes they're just not they don't look portrayed, you know. We can also come up with some very bad ideas, ideas as well. Yes, you have some bad ideas because your 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 lack of sleep and you're trying to rush on things, different things happen. Um, you know, editing slows down because you really don't get sleep. I think in the matter of each year on average I got six hours of sleep the whole weekend. So, um, but those things are so much fun to do. I recommend to anybody that's getting wanting to start to get into film or has been in film a little bit, try a forty eight hour film project if they're close to you. Um, get a part of a team. Just be like, you know, an, an assistant or something. You don't have to go crazy and be a director or a writer. Just find out what it's about and do it. So going back to some of the bad memories or memories I've had, I remember the one time we were using a hotel, um, not not last year, but those, uh, two years ago, the one that you came up for. Um, we were staying at a hotel that night. Um, and I think it was, I want to say it was Friday night into Saturday. We were about to, we, we just got to bed at three o'clock and we write, we wrote the script. We got the script done. We're ready. We're waking up at like six o'clock to get showered and everything and go get ready to film. A fire alarm went off at like four o'clock in the morning yep. at the hotel. And I will never forget that. And it was like, we just got to bed and three o'clock and so fire alarm goes off at four we have to run out of the hotel we're out there for a half hour 45 minutes and you know we didn't get back to bed till literally 5 5 30 we were up at 6 30 to get ready um so that was one of the memories but literally you know 48 hour film projects are something i love um because we've won some awards you know being a part of the one with mr haggerty and Shana Steiner, uh, we won the best film runner up out of 48 other films. We won best cinematography with that. Um, you know, those are, you know, definitely, you know, find out some information on 48 hour film projects and see how you can help. Um, those are de definitely learning experiences for anybody that's interested in getting into film. So, to wrap this up, what has if, if you're going to talk to somebody that is a future filmmaker, I know we've talked a lot about uh, film school and what uh, we would give advice for, but as a if somebody's listening to this segment right now as a future filmmaker and they want to get in the film, what is the best advice you can give them? There's a lot. 
there, I could go on hours with advice and literally talking to people about what, how you can do this. Networking, like I said earlier, is one of the biggest things that's helped me out in the film world. Um, don't be afraid to talk to people about your passion. Don't be afraid to, you know, talk to anybody. Reach out to people on Facebook. Don't be scared. You know, I work in sales, and that's one big thing I've learned even in sales is, you know, if you know, I'm, I'm working, trying to sell advertising, reach out to a business. That's what I've done. But you know, if you're a filmmaker, don't be afraid to reach out to someone that you know that does film or does videography or does photography. Don't be afraid to be creative with, you know, if you're writing a script, don't be afraid to be creative, write it down and reach out to someone like you or myself and have them look at the script. Maybe that'll, you know, bounce the ideas off each other and then don't be afraid of you know contacting some of your friends and getting something together you know you got to take the effort and if you want to get a film done you got to take the effort to get it done you got to be the one that's ambitious about it and you know be able to talk to anybody about the passion that you have so my best advice is don't give up talk to anybody you can about it and network as best as you can Steve, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining me on this podcast, and we will talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Donnie.